Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Good? Awesome, awesome. Hey, I want to welcome you if this is your first time kicking the tires of faith, so to speak, checking out Elevate Church. You picked a great weekend because we're in a series called Don't Be a Jerk Face, and we're talking about how we cope with, how we handle the crazies in our life. And so how many of you know relationships can be awesome? Come on, raise your hand. And they can be challenging. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, like they can be awesome, and they can be challenging, and then they're awesome again, and then they're challenging again. And so this has a lot to do with how we interact with the, the people that are in our life. Last week, if you were here, we talked about how when things are in alignment, things are powerful. And so when relationships in your life are in alignment, meaning you are seeing eye to eye, that you are kind of, you know, things are clicking, you know, things are working the way that they should, then that relationship is powerful. I mean, the encouragement that comes out of that, the confidence that is built in that kind of relationship, but when they're not going so well, right, it's painful. And the same is true with your relationship with God. Like when, when things are working as they should, when you're aligned, as powerful, but when you're not, and you're feeling like you're outside of what, what God wants to do in and through your life, it can be painful. It can make life very painful. One of the keys to making sure your relationships are in aligned are your, is your attitude. So last week we, we talked about having a good old-fashioned attitude adjustment. And so if you were here, like every single one of us from time to time, we need an attitude adjustment. Even your pastor needs his attitude adjusted uh, every five or so minutes. So like that's what we talked about. Last week, today, we're going to talk about boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. 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 Uh, and I'm going to cover some material, which, by the way, if as I teach this, you're saying, man, I really struggle with this. Like, this is a difficult area for me in my life. I would encourage you and point you to a resource uh, that I used in developing this. Uh, it's a book by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's called Boundaries. And it goes into a lot more depth than what I'm going to talk about Today, but that's a great book. Uh, he also wrote another great book. Um, if you are dating someone that you need to break up with, uh, it's called Necessary Endings. I see a lot of girls writing that down. Necessary. Like if you're a guy sitting next to a girl that's writing that down, that's awkward. Look out for that. Necessary Endings. with a couple of great books by Dr. Henry Cloud. I want to talk about boundaries. And let me set it up this way. Uh, I went to school in Kentucky at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, and nothing is around there. Like, it is, it's, it's the boonies. It's more, it's like Wattsburg. I mean, it's like way out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing close. I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying there's nothing around. And so we would have to make up our own fun. We, you know, we find little ways to get into trouble, nothing crazy. But one of the things that we did was drive over to a place called Shakertown. And in Shakertown, it was like this little kind of village, you know, no electricity, no, you know, plumbing. It, it, it was kind of like the Quakers, but they're the Shakers. I don't really know the difference. One quaked, one shaked. I have no idea. But we would drive over there sometimes to look for uh, what we called the Shaker Man. And you could only go find the Shaker Man at like 2, 3 in the morning. Like, but in order to get to Shakertown, you would have to go down across the, the Kentucky River, back up to the other side, to where Shakertown was. And it was this windy road that went down this massive kind of hill. And on one side, they would have these, these guardrails that acted like a boundary so that you would not go off the cliff, right? 
and die in order to go find the shaker man. Now, we never found the shaker man, which, by the way, uh, doesn't exist. If he did exist and he was out there, if we saw him, I probably would have peed my pants. All right, just throwing that out there would have terrified me to death. But I was thinking about that trip, and I was thinking about the guardrails and how they were there to, to protect me. And, and I thought about um, that you and I, we have boundaries like that in our life, whether we realize it or not. But a budget is a type of boundary, is it not? Like a budget tells you what you're going to spend, how much you're going to spend, what you're not going to spend. A budget gives you a lane at which you're going to operate and drive in to keep you from going over a financial cliff, which some of us, we just do anyway, don't we? We just drive that sucker right on over. But a budget is kind of like a boundary. Uh, A schedule is like a boundary. A schedule tells you if you follow it, theoretically, it tells you what you're going to do when you're going to do it. It's going to say, it's going to dictate what you say yes to in life. It's going to determine what you say no to in life. But a schedule is like a boundary. And I thought there's one area of our life that we're not great at putting up boundaries. That's the area of relationship. That these other areas, we're, we're good at placing some boundaries in our life, but not when it comes to relationships. We don't set up healthy kinds of boundaries. Let me give you a working definition uh, of boundary when it comes to relationships. If you are a note taker, write this down. If you're not a note taker, start today. Go ahead, jot this down. But a boundary defines ownership. It shows me where I end and where you begin. So what a boundary in a relationship is, it shows me where I end and where you begin. So when I know where, where it is that I end in this relationship, then I know where my ownership ends. And I know where you begin. I know what I'm responsible and what you are responsible for. And if I don't have a boundary, a healthy boundary in a relationship, then I don't know that. Like I don't know where I end and you begin. And the lines are, are blurred. And if we don't have healthy boundaries in relationships, then there won't be healthy we's. In order for there to be a healthy we, the relationships that are in our life, there has to be a healthy me first. And I need to make sure that I have boundaries in my relationships. The problem is this. In some of our relationships, other people are trying to own your property. Are they not? They're trying to own, you know, what's across their boundary line in your life. And the reality is you're busy trying to own someone else's property. What do you mean, Colby? This is what I mean. Some of us are so guilt-ridden because we are trying to own someone else's bad decisions. We're trying to own someone else's mistakes. We're trying to own someone else's bad choices. You are trying to own someone else's property that doesn't belong to you because you don't have a clear line in that boundary, in that relationship. So we must set up healthy boundaries because boundaries let us know like what what I will let into my life, and what I won't let into my life. It lets me know where where I end and where you begin. Boundaries are an essential component in dealing with the jerk faces in your life. And so we're going to talk about boundaries, boundaries, putting boundaries in our relationships. Now, I know when I say that, real quick time out, some of you are like, well, this sounds uh, very unchristlike to put boundaries in our relationships. It doesn't sound like a very godly thing to do. And I would push back on that a little bit. Because Jesus himself had boundaries. Did you know that? Like Jesus had 72 disciples. And I blew some of your mind right there. You're like, "Uh uh-uh, he only had 12. I've seen the painting. He's got 12, right? They're eating. They're at dinner. Um, Actually, read your New Testament. He had 72, but then he had 12 where he drew a line that could come in close to him. 
In fact, beyond those 12, he had three that had an all-excess pass, all-excess pass to his life, Peter, James, and John. And from time to time, Jesus would go, hey, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. You're going to see some cool stuff like the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, come pray with me in the garden. He would pull these three aside. And so he would teach the masses, thousands of people, and then he'd bring the 12 back and say, hey, they're probably not going to get it. Let me break it down for you. And then beyond that, he had, he had three others. Let me, let me put it this way. Uh, he had 12, um, he had, you know, a lot of followers. Jesus had a lot of followers, you know, taught the masses. He had 12 um, on, that, that he posted about on Instagram, and he had three that could DM him, all right? Somebody like, oh, I get it now. Everybody under 35 was like, why didn't you just say that? But that's what that's what that means, all right? So I, I tell you that because Jesus had levels of access to his life. He didn't allow everybody in his life, and you don't have to either. That you don't have to give a, an, an all-access backstage pass to every part of your life. There are some people in your life, they just need to get in the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't get a ticket into the building of your life. They could just, they could come park their car a good way away, and, and you'd be fine. Other people, they should get in the building. And even other people beyond that should have an all-access pass to your life. But you can't do that if you don't have boundaries because you don't know where you end and where they begin. In fact, here's why you have to, to know that. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, you need to put up some guardrails. You need to put up some boundaries. You need to guard your heart. Tell your neighbor right now, guard your heart. Go ahead, look him in the eye. Guard your heart. Now turn to your second choice, neighbor, because we all have one. That's always awkward, isn't it? This one. And tell them, guard your heart. Why? Why should I guard my heart? Why should I put up a boundary? Because everything you do flows out of it. In other words, what you allow into your heart will eventually spill over and spill out into your life. So if you let prideful people always speak into your life, if that's who you give your ear to, eventually pride's going to spill out. It's what happens. If you allow negativity, negative people to always have your ear to speak into your life, eventually that's what's gonna spill out of your life. So you have to guard your heart. If you allow anger, right, always to, to be those people that you're around, that's what's gonna come out of your life. Let me break it down real low for you. My grandpa used to say, if you get with the pigs, you're gonna get muddy. Like that's what happens. That's what's gonna come out of your life. So you have to guard your heart because everything flows out of it. In order to do that, you have to have boundaries. You need to know where you end and where others begin. And some of you could be thinking, well, this sounds, sounds selfish. Uh, it's not. There is a big difference between selfishness and stewardship. In fact, if I was to give you something of, of value, um, I, have, I don't really have a lot of like material things that are valuable uh, to me, but I did, do have a 30-30 rifle that was passed down from my great-grandfather uh, to my grandfather, I think, and my dad gave it to me. Um, and, and if I was to give that to you and say, would you hold on to this for me for a little bit, my expectation of you, because it's valuable to me, would be for you to not drag it through the mud, not to get it scratched up or banged up or, or lose it. My expectation would be that you would protect it because it means something to me that you would maybe look after it, that if you had a gun safe, you might put that in, in the safe until I came back and asked for, for that 30-30 back. Well, you should know that God has given something of great value in this earth. You know what it is? 
It's you. It is Jesus. That's always a good answer, by the way, in church. If anybody asks a question, just say Jesus. It's Jesus. That always works. So you're right. But you, like you are of great value, and because you have great value, you need to steward you and your relationships well because they are are valuable. It's worth something. If you're going to have, you know, valuable, great we's, great relationships in your life, you better steward your own life well. And in order to do that, you have to put up some, some healthy boundaries in your life. And boundaries, by the way, are not to reject people. Don't miss this. But they are to reject behavior. I'm not talking about rejecting people, but I'm talking about rejecting behavior. Let me, let me give you an example of this. My, um, my boys, let's say theoretically, were out in the woods the other day trying to kill small woodland creatures. They just do. I don't know why. But from time to time, they go and build these homemade traps that they don't work, by the way, just, just so you know, we're not killing stuff. Because the rule in my house is if you kill something, you're going to eat it. I don't care what it is. If it's a turtle, you're going to eat it, all right? Just don't kill stuff. And so, like, you know, they were out trying to build these traps, trying to find, you know, something that they could kill. And they came back, like, all muddy. This was, I don't know, about a month ago. Like, muddy. They were filthy. They were, they were nasty. And they started to come in the house. I'm like, uh-uh, stop right there. Get back outside. Take your shoes off outside. Like, you're not even allowed in the mudroom. Which, by the way, the mudroom is a terrible name for it because we don't allow mud in the mudroom. All right, I just want to throw that out there. Like, if you knew my wife, we have a sign that says, the mud stops here in the mudroom. It's a lie. The mudroom doesn't mean mudroom. It means pre-mudroom. It means don't come into my house with those shoes on mudroom, all right? So it's not, it's not true. But if I said, get back outside. And when I did that, listen, I wasn't rejecting them. It had nothing to do with them. It had everything to do with what was on them, right? So I'm not rejecting the person. I was rejecting what was, was on them. In fact, I would say, hey, let me help you, you know, get, get the dirt off. Let me help you get, get the mud off because I so want you to come into my house that I will serve you. I will do what I can to, to, to get you into my house. So I'm not rejecting you. I'm, re- I'm rejecting what was on you. You understand? And so boundaries is not about you leaving here and going, all right, you know, Colby said, I got to delete some people from my life. You know, click, bye, click, bye. You're not supposed to be in my life anymore. Bye, Felicia, quick, bye, click, bye. Which, by the way, we don't even do this anymore. We just hit a button, right? Like some of you don't even know what this is. <laughs> we used to walk around the house with a 30-foot-long cord attached to a phone. But this is not about deleting people from your life. You should know that. I want you to hear that. Some of you might need to. But this isn't about rejecting people. It's about rejecting behavior. You saying, hey, hey, you want to come inside my house? That has to stay outside. Hey, if you want to come in here, I want you to come in here. But that outburst of anger, that's going to have to stay outside. I'm going to get up in some of your houses today just so you know. Look out. Like you want to come inside that prideful spirit? That's got to stay outside. That's not going to be allowed in my house. I love you. I want to help you. But you can't carry that behavior in here, those backhanded comments, in-laws, that's got to stay outside. Told you I was coming in your house. Like, that can't come, come in here. But in order to do that, you have to know where you end and they begin. You have to have some healthy boundaries set up in order to say, hey, I love you. I'm not rejecting you, but I'm rejecting what is on you. That's got to stay outside. In fact, I'm calling this message, if you want to jot down a title, keep it outside. 
Keep it outside. So with the time we have left, I want to give you three reasons why we don't put boundaries in place in our life. And then I want to give you three helpful boundaries that I think every single one of us need to put into place. So first of all, three reasons why we don't set up boundaries. The first one is this, because we have a savior syndrome. Jot that down, a savior syndrome, a a rescue kind of mentality, a savior complex when it comes to others in our our life. You know, there there are natural laws that exist in the world that we can do nothing about. You don't have to like it. You don't have to believe them if you don't want to, but they are there. You can choose to reject them, but they're there. For example, the law of gravity. Like, you don't have to believe in it. I don't know why you wouldn't want to. Like it's, it's holding your butt on this planet right now, so it's a, it's a good thing. But you could choose to reject it and say, hey, I don't think it exists, and I'm going to jump off this building. How many of you know you're going to realize it exists, right? It's a natural law that, that exists, whether you believe it or not. The same way there are natural laws, there are spiritual laws that you can reject them if you want to, but it doesn't mean they don't exist. There are, are laws, principles that God put into place, set into motion before you know, the foundations of this earth that, that, that exist, whether you believe in it or not. One of those is the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest says there will be seed, there will be time, and there will be harvest. That's what it means, that, that, that when you plant something, whatever it is that you plant, Right? There's going to be an opportunity to, to harvest that which you have planted. A seed is time, and there's a harvest. And the principle is this, that whatever you plant in life, in fact, look at Galatians 6, 7. It says this, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. He reaps, a man reaps what he sows. This is the law of the harvest. Whatever it is that you sow is what you are going to Harvest what you're going to reap. The King Jimmy uh, version of that says, whatever thou reapest or whatever thou sowest, that shall you also reap. That just sounds better, doesn't it? Whatever thou sowest, that shall you also reap. That sounds a lot better than a man reaps what he sows. All right, just, just saying. It's got a little more bite to it. But it's the law of the harvest. In other words, you don't plant corn expecting to get kale. And I know some of you, as soon as I said kale, you're like, ooh, I love kale. Kale's awesome. It's a superfood. It's so good for you. Stop it. It's gross. It's nasty. You're lying. Everyone knows it tastes nasty. Stop that superfood stuff. Kale. But you don't plant corn expecting to get kale. It's the law of the harvest, right? You plant corn, and what you harvest out of that is corn. And so God's word says the same is true in the spirit, by the way. The next verse says, so whoever sows to please their flesh, look at it, you're going to reap destruction. Like if that's what you want to do, if that's what you're going to sow into, that's what you're going to reap. It's the law of the harvest. But whoever sows to please the spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. You sow to please the spirit, you're going to reap life. Hosea says, sow to the wind, and you're going to reap a, a whirlwind. It's the law of the harvest. And it's not God punishing you, by the way. It's you experiencing the law of sowing and reaping. You follow me? That's what it is. So some of us, we don't set healthy boundaries in our life because of the Savior syndrome where we want to swoop in and rescue people from from reaping what they sow. We want to swoop in and rescue people in our life from from the consequences of the bad decisions that they have made. And so we don't put up boundaries because we have this savior syndrome. Now, I'm not saying, uh, as a parent, if you have little ones, you don't save them from things that will hurt them. I'm not saying that. 
Like you got a little toddler running around that, you know, is about to touch a hot stove or has, you know, a boiling pot of water on it that's going to burn themselves. You understand that they don't understand the consequences to their action, right, uh, of reaping what they sow. However, if you have a 30-year-old son, told you I'm coming up in your house today, that you are rescuing them from reaping the consequences of their actions, and you're not ever saying, listen, I know where I end and you begin, and I'm not responsible for your property. You take ownership of your property, but you're constantly saving them from their consequences. All you're doing is keeping them from learning the lesson that they should have learned of reaping what they sow. And then we scratch our head and think, why are they doing it again? Why are they doing it again? Why are they repeating the same thing over and over again? Because they have never felt the sting of reaping what they sow. Do you follow? And a lot of times we think we're helping when you're not helping, like you're hurting them because you're never allowing them to, to, to experience that. Well, Colby, Colby, but, but they're my baby boy. That's my baby boy. Well, hey, mom, how about helping him become a man and allow him to face some of the consequences of his actions? Sometimes saving people looks like allowing them to go to prison for a season. Hey, that's real right there. Sometimes saving someone is going ahead and filing that PFA against them anyway because they need to reap the consequences of their actions. And I'm not talking about tough love. Well, that's tough love, that's tough love. I'm talking about actual love. You don't really love them if you're not helping them anyway and you're constantly enabling them to continue that pattern of behavior over and over and over again. But we have this, this fear of, of allowing them to reap what they sow because we want to swoop in and rescue them and rescue them so we don't put up a boundary. Uh, another reason, jot this down, we don't set up healthy boundaries is because the fear of what if. What if? Well, Colby, what if I, I, I refuse to, to help them out? What if I you know, have a conversation that, that I need to have and they reject me? Or what if they get mad at me? What if they don't like it? What if it upsets them? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And so we have this fear of the what if that keeps us from putting these boundaries into place in our life, healthy boundaries in our relationship. Here's what God's word says, Proverbs 29, 25, that the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but those who trust in the Lord are kept safe. So for, for some of us, we don't put up healthy boundaries because we have a fear of man. We're terrified. Now, I know guys in this room, you know, we're prone to pride. We're like, I don't fear no man. I'm a man. But I would challenge you on that a little bit. Because when that person calls on your phone and you see their name pop up on the caller ID and you don't want to answer it, but you answer it anyway because you're afraid of the consequence of you not answering that phone call, are you following this? Like, that's a fear of man. When you do something that, that you don't want to do necessarily because someone else wants you to do it and you're afraid of the emotional fallout that will come as a result of that, that's a fear of man. And so we live in this what if, what if, what if, instead of going, you know what, I'm confident in who I am, I'm confident enough that I love you, but I need to draw a line. And I'm not going to allow you to come into my property. And I'm not going to go into your property. And I'm not, I'm not going to deal with that outburst of anger. That's not allowed into my house anymore. Like that's, I'm not going to allow that around my kids anymore. Like that's going to have to stay outside. I'm not rejecting you. But I am rejecting that behavior because that doesn't play well in my playground. And why? Not because it's about you. 
but it's about you becoming the healthiest version of you so that, that you can have healthy relationships in your life. I want to be the healthiest me so I can be the healthiest husband I can be. I want to be the healthiest me so I can be the healthiest dad I can be, parent I can be, team member I can be, um, you know, work employee I can be. Are you following this? It's not about just you. It's about so you can be healthy in those relationships. But if you constantly live in this fear of what if, what if, what if they don't like what I have to say, well, then what you're doing is you're not guarding your heart. And you're allowing that to, to pour into your life, and then that's going to flow out of your life. We refuse, refuse to live our life in the what if. But a lot of us, we, we're afraid, so we don't put up that, that boundary. And you'll never know what will happen if you constantly live in fear of what could happen. I promise you that. Don't live in that, that fear. Here's the third reason that we don't put up boundaries, and is that is we have a misunderstanding of hurt versus harm. This misunderstanding of hurt and harm. Look what God says, Proverbs 27, 6. The wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So Solomon is saying, hey, be careful. Like, watch out for the people that all they do is flatter you. Watch out for those people that only have nice things to say about you or tell you what you want to, what you want to hear. Like, watch out for those people. They're not really your friends. He says the wound of a friend, though, that can be trusted. In other words, at some point in your life, if they're really a friend, if they are a true friend, they will hurt you. Like something that they say or do is going to, is going to wound you. It's just going to happen. Now, I know some of you are thinking this sounds counterintuitive. Because, Colby, I want my friends to encourage me. I just want my friends to love me for who I am. I want my friends to, to always support every decision that I make. Those aren't friends. And if that's all you're looking for, you're just looking for people to tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. But a true friend will get up in your face and from time to time wound you. A true friend will say, hey, that direction that you're going down right now, that path that you're headed on, is going to kill you. You're going to destroy everything if you keep heading that direction. And I love you too much to let that happen. A true friend says, hey, that spirit of arrogance in your life, like, it could cause you to lose your job. Like, I don't want that to happen. Uh, a true friend will say, hey, that, that, that spirit of, that, that flirtatious spirit is going to harm your marriage if you continue down that path. I see it too much. I see it too often that I'm not, I don't want that to happen to you. A true friend says, that behavior with alcohol is an addiction that you don't see, and I love you too much, and I'll come hell or high water, I'll walk with you through this, but I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to be your destruction. That's a true friend, not one that always tells you what you want to hear. One that tells you what you need to hear. The wounds of a friend can be trusted, but we don't get this, right? Because we have a misunderstanding of hurt and harm. What those mean, um, I, I went to the dentist last week, and, and I'm not a fan of the dentist. I got to be careful what I say. If we got any dentists in the house, I apologize. The reason I went was because I was eating some shelled pistachios that weren't shelled. They had some shells in there, and that didn't end well. But I went to the dentist. Let's say I, did, I decided not to go because going to the dentist causes me a little bit of hurt, causes me to be a little bit uncomfortable. And if I decided that I was just going to deny anything that was going on, you know, in my mouth because of the potential of it hurting a little bit, then I would never like get the healing that I needed. I would never, you know, have the, the help that I need to have in that, that moment because of that potential for hurt. And the same is true in our relationships, that we don't want to hurt somebody temporarily 
but it could be that that little bit of hurt is exactly what they need to get them to the ultimate place of healing in their life. But we're afraid, like, well, what if I have that conversation and it hurts them? If you don't have that conversation, it hurts them more. The doctors have never harmed me. They never harmed me, never caused ultimate harm in my life, but they hurt me for a season to get me the help that I needed for healing. And for some of you, the reason that you're in the relationships that you are in is because it could be you are finally the person that has enough courage to say, hey, I love you. I love you enough to tell you, and it might hurt a little bit. It might hurt. Chloe, is it, is it, gonna, is it gonna feel good when you have those conversations? No. Like I had a conversation with a, a professor of mine in college. I didn't, I didn't do so good in school, all right? Just throw that out there. We don't have to talk about it. But um, yeah. It won't hurt to talk about it. Just talk about it. This is therapy for me, by the way. But he told me this. He said, Colby, God, God's hand is all over your life. I know he's going to do great things in your life, but. And I'm like, here it comes. But if you don't start applying yourself, you will fail. How many of you know that conversation? I wasn't like, oh, that felt good. That felt, oh, say that again. Say that if, that, that if you don't start applying yourself, you're going to fail part again. In fact, here, say it into my phone so I can replay it at night while I try to go to sleep. You're going to fail. That, that felt so good. Did that feel good? No. No, not in the moment. But how many of you know if he wasn't willing to, to get up in my grill in that season, care about me, love me enough, that I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today because nobody wants a pastor that won't apply himself, right, or, or, or get busy doing what God wants him to do. So there's a difference between hurt and harm, and the wounds of a friend can be trusted, but you could be the key, right, to, to having someone in your life experience the healing that they need if you're willing to step out and have that conversation, and for them to experience that temporary bit of hurt in their, their life, their life. So I gave you three reasons why we don't set up boundaries. Now let me give you three boundaries that I believe every single one of us need to have. And the first one is this. It's the boundary of control. The boundary of control. Um, and control comes in two different forms. It comes overtly and covertly. Uh, first of all, covert control are those underhanded comments. You know, those, those comments that are kind of passive aggressive, you know, where when the in-laws say, um, oh, you're not coming over for Thanksgiving this year. Oh, it's okay. We already started planning. In fact, I already started the, the, the list of groceries, but it's okay. It's like that's, you know, kind of um, underhanded kind of manipulation. That's covert kinds of control, which one of you just want to say, hey, why don't you just tell me, you know, that you're disappointed that we're not coming for Thanksgiving, and I'll tell you I'm sorry, and we're still not coming for Thanksgiving. Go ahead and just do that. <laughs> but that's covert kind of control. The other one is overtly, overt control. That's through abusive language. That's through, you know, swearing someone up and down, just F this, F, which by the way, I'm getting so sick of some of the language, honestly. Like, it's like get a vocabulary other than the F word. I'm serious. Like I, in your mind, you're just cussing me out right now. <laughs> I'm not going to get started. All these people posting things that would never say this stuff out loud or to your face 
online on social media, something AF or LMFA, like all that kind of stuff. It's like, really? You don't talk like that around your family. You don't talk like that in front of me. All right, sorry, I'm going to just move on. I'm going to move on. But that's, that's, that's overtly. And it can happen in the form of physical abuse too. Which, by the way, if you're experiencing that in your life, I would just say grab somebody. Grab somebody to pray with afterwards on our team. This is a safe place for you to open up about maybe some abuse that's in your life. Grab a, a staff person. Grab, grab me. Let us know. Here's what I, I do know. I've walked down this path too many times. Is that saying to yourself, oh, it's eventually just going to get better, is not. It's not. And it might for a, a period of time, but ultimately it won't. But those are the types of control that we experience in our life, this covert and this overt kind of, of control. And so we need to set up boundaries against that, boundaries around that, and say, I'm not going to allow you to control me. And so instead uh, of that, we, have, uh, we decide we're going to allow certain people access into our life that will, that will build us up, people that won't try to control and manipulate, but people that will try to elevate our life to bigger and, and better things that God is calling us, us to do that would empower us. So there's the boundary of control. Uh, the second boundary that, that we need to set up is the boundary of negativity. In fact, this is one of the reasons why I got off of social media, because I don't need all that negative noise all the time, right? It's like, I, why, why listen to all the people that are just negative, that are glasses half empty? I need people in my life that are positive, people that would be like, yeah, we can do that. Let's go for it. You know, let's try to figure this thing out. I don't need that noise. You don't either. But one of the problems is, is there are some people in your life, if you don't set up this boundary of negativity, there are some people in your life that expect you to be the 2012 version of you, that never expect you to move, that never expect you to grow. So whenever you're around them, they bring this hate, this cynicism, this criticism to where you are constantly trying to pull you back to the 2012 version of you. You need to put a boundary and say, hey, I'm not even going to stay the 2019 version of me because I know God has great things in store for my life. Come on, somebody. You need to put a boundary around that or they're constantly going to pull you back. So we put up a boundary around the, the negative People, the negative things in our, our life. And here's what we do instead, Ephesians 4.29. Bring people around us that won't let any unwholesome talk come out of their mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, according to what they need, which, by the way, means that in order for you to know what they need, you have to be in a relationship with them. You gotta be around people to know how to, how to build them up. I can't build up my son Park the same way I can build up Wade. They're two different, different people. And so you better be in relationships with them to know what they need because so that, keep reading, it will benefit those who are listening. The people that you're talking to, but also people who are around that are listening, it will build them up. Those are the people that you need to bring into your life. Put up a boundary against negativity. Bring people into your life that will only speak things that are helpful and building you up, not in tearing you down. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. And that is a boundary around fear. Fear. I would even say just the, the fear-filled kinds of people in your life. And this, again, is not an exhaustive list, but this hopefully is a starting point for you. In fact, there might be more boundaries that you need to put in your, your life, but you need to put up a boundary around 
fear. Have you ever met those people that no matter what's going on, they always are worst case scenario kinds of people? Like they always tell you the bad stuff that could happen. Like you could tell them, hey, we're going to Florida for vacation. And they're like, how are you going to get there? We're going to fly. You know, the plane could go down. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate that. Awesome. What are you going to do in Florida? Well, we're going we're gonna to hang out at the beach. We're going to grill out, cook some hot dogs. Well, you know the number one choking hazard for children under 12 are hot dogs. <laughs> and skin cancer, and you need some sunscreen. It's like all they want you to do is stay in your house. But, of course, in your house, your TV could fall on you. You could, you know, slip and fall in the bathroom or whatever it is. But there are people that are, are filled with fear that everything and anything that could go wrong speak into your life. Let's call that what that is. That is a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. And the Bible tells us that God didn't give us that. That if you're gonna be a person of faith, what is it that God gave you? God didn't give you a spirit of, of fear, Second Timothy says, or timidity, you know, of co- constantly being cautious, or, or what do I do, just this kind of scared kind of behavior, but one of power, one of love, one of a, a sound mind or, or self-discipline. That's what God has, has given you, not a spirit of fear. So whenever you're faced with those people, that all they want to do is, is tell you what could happen, what could happen, the endless possibilities, or you feel this kind of spirit of fear start to rise up within you, you need to surround your people with say, uh-uh, that's not from God. God is not giving you that spirit of fear. In fact, when I want to go to the, the negative, to the fear in my life, I surround myself with faith-filled people who will say, hey, Colby, be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous Courageous before the, the Lord your God is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That no weapon formed against you will prosper. And those are the people that you need to put in your life. Ones that are not fear-filled, but ones that are faith-filled. And so every single one of us, listen, we need to have boundaries. It's not a negative thing. It's not about keeping people out or rejecting people, but it is about rejecting behavior. And if you're gonna play well in my life, if you're gonna be a part of this relationship, well then that that behavior has to stay outside. That mud's gotta stay outside. I'll do whatever I can to help you clean it off of you because I so want you to be in this house, but that behavior can't come in. You can't do that if you don't know where you end and where they begin. And for some of you, there's a conversation that that you need to have with a good friend of yours, but you're not having, and I would question how good of a friend you are because you're scared to hurt them temporarily, but it could be the only thing that brings them ultimate healing in their life. And for some of us in this room, there's a boundary between you and between God. And God has not given you that spirit of faith. God has not filled you with with his spirit. In fact, the boundary is a a door. The Bible says that Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And whoever would open the door, I'll come in. For some of you, you've had that boundary up for a long time. You've heard uh, God knocking at the door of your life, at your heart, wanting to come in, desperately wanting to come in. But you have such a hard heart. Or you have such a, a tall barrier, a guardrail preventing him to do so. Hey, maybe today is the day you just decide I'm gonna open that door and I'm gonna allow Jesus to come in, which by the way, he's a gentleman. He never forces himself in. He has to be asked to come in. In fact, I wanna give you a chance to do that right now. If you bow your heads, 
close your eyes, not worry what you have to do next. Just sit still for a moment. This is a holy moment with people making a decision to respond to that knocking. To respond to God saying, hey, I want to be a part of your life. I came to to have a relationship with you. In fact, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to get everything that was on you, off of you, so you could come into my house, so you could spend eternity with me, and I will help you. And the greatest way that God knew to help us was to send his son Jesus to die for our stuff, for our our mud, for our, our sins, for the things that we carried in, and for him to say, I don't want that on you, so I can be with you. For some of us, what we need to do is, is allow him to power wash our souls, to clean us up. And the way we do that is through accepting that Jesus died for our sin, opening that door and allowing him to come in. The Bible says that if you confess Jesus as Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved and you'll be, you'll be free from the penalty of the sin in your life. You'll get to spend eternity with God get to come into his house forever because he so desperately wants a relationship with you. But we do that through prayer and acknowledging who Jesus is and what he's done. I want to give you a chance to do that right now with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd say, Colby, when you pray that, I'm praying right along with you for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time you're coming home to God. Would you right now be bold and just hold your hand up high? I just want to see who I'm praying with, one. But two, this is a step for you to say, God, here I am. Here I am, I'm, 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 I'm recognizing that you're knocking at the door of my life and I want you to come inside and I want you to make me new and I want a fresh start with you. Awesome, you put your hands down. Say something like this in your heart. Jesus, today, I want you to come in. I want you to come into my life, come into my heart. Thank you for dying for my sin, everything that was on me. Thank you that, that you do not reject me, but that behavior has to go. And so I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to make me new. I believe that that you died on the cross to save me. And so from this moment on, I'm gonna do my best to follow you. Holy Spirit, help me. Come into my life. Give me a, a fresh start and a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you guys, celebrate with those today.